the Boston players love But Michael Jordan is not only the best basketball player, but he's the most exciting basketball player to ever play. Tatum fires away, pumps it in. The Big Three NBA Podcast is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Big Three NBA Podcast. Right before we started recording, Sherrod decided to start singing the Kool-Aid Jam song. Kool-Aid Anthem. It's a Kool-Aid Anthem. Let's get it right. Kool-Aid Anthem, if that's what we're going to call it. I'm Kwani Lunas, H.R. Blakely, Gary Washburn. Gary's already we, tired of us, Kwani. You see that? Every single time we start this <laughs> an episode, he's like, why did I come back this week? <laughs> but before we it's continue. It's my fault. It's me. No, no, no. It's not you. Explain it's us. We, he's, he's, I know we're the he, problem. Gary's here just not to get fined. That's all. He's here not to get fined. And to get better. But before yeah, we start. I'm trying to get oh, better wow. in 2024. <laughs> I, hate, I hate both of y'all. I knew this was coming. I want to give a shout out to the location that I am in right now. Obviously, this is not where you guys are used to. We give to location shout outs now? Okay. Yes, because <laughs> I will explain. One, I'm at the Dorchester YMCA. If you live in Boston, make sure you're supporting the local Ys. Obviously, this is a resource for all the kids in the community. But the mm-hmm. reason why I'm here is the Celtics every year. This, I think is probably the second annual one, one at this point. But they do a fit to win event. And this one was basically a smoothie and salad competition. They get a Oh, so there was food for you, Coin. In other words, it's food for you. No, but let me explain it. Goodness, it's always about food. But <laughs> so basically they're teaching the kids that live in this area how to make their own smoothies, how to make their own salad so that they can, when you're going to a grocery store, for example, they know like, all right, maybe leave the bag of chips on the on the shelf pick up some cucumbers, pick up some lettuce, and here's how you can put it together. So they had four teams. They had Spee and Derek White here as consultants for two of the teams. Derek White's team did win the first round, which was a salad round. And then he was mad that we didn't give him all fives across the board. Round two, his team didn't win at all. So he wore his sunglasses and was very upset with me and my fellow judges for the rest of the evening, which included the silent treatment. So... This is a recap of what went down. But, of course, Celtic-centric, so I figured our viewers would actually think it's a little relevant. <laughs> so, in other words, when Derek White goes off in the next game, he's, he's going to gonna... get his anger out. At, yes. His anger towards you. He's going he's he's to put that on the Lakers. He's very upset with us right now. He's going to put it on the Lakers, that. Gary. He's going to put it on your Lakers. <laughs> hey, whatever keeps them motivated, right? <laughs> man, but oh, let's man. get into the Celtics right now. They just... Barely escaped with a win over the Pacers, fueled by a very good late-game defense. Tatum had 30. Our guy, Derek White, 24 points. Celtics now with back-to-back wins and, of course, have won eight of the last 10 games so far. Tatum, Brown, they've had their moments defensively over the last few games as well. But we'll quickly play some pick and roll between Tatum and Brown, and then we can get back into that game if you guys want. Who has had the better shot at an all-NBA defensive spot at this point in the season? Jalen. And, and mainly because Jalen has talked about it more. Um, I, I think Tatum's body of work defensively, I think he's been a little bit more consistent. But Jalen has stepped his defensive game up of late. Uh, he really seems to be not just buying into it, but just embracing the fact that he needs to be that guy defensively. Uh, that Drew Holiday is going to do what Drew Holiday does. And Derek White, those are two all-NBA defenders. But if you – to Jalen Brown, he's shown the ability to, show, to step his game up from one year to the next – and this year, it's like, what are you going to do now? What, where can you 
frankly, be better than you've been in the past. And I think he's made a very conscious effort to be a better defender. Uh, and, and that's something that if you're the Boston Celtics, that's great to hear because he's going to have games in the playoffs where he goes six for 19. That's that. It is what it is. But can you have those games and still be impactful uh, in other ways? And I think that's part of his growing process, part of his his elevation as an elite player in this game to find ways to impact winning and not necessarily do it the same way in terms of scoring the ball. Whoa. Um, I think this Whoa. is a, Woo. had to take a deep breath for that one, G. Yeah, huh? That's a close one. Because <laughs> I think it Jason's is. been very good defensively, been very engaged, had that big block shot on Tuesday night um, to force a 24-second clock violation on Miles Turner uh, late in the Indiana game. So I'm going to – I don't want to waffle, but I'm going to say it's about even. I mean, I think both have been – What you going to waffle? I'm going to start calling you Belgian. That's hilarious. Oh my Bruh. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, viewers. Sorry, listeners. That's Yikes. that was awful. Anyway, um, I think that it's even I'll give the nod, the edge to Jason just just for his activity. But Jay Jalen's played great defense this year. Jason, I think, has gotten more involved reading passing lanes. He had a couple of big steals. Um a couple of nights last night, I think the New Orleans game. Um, he's being more, he's smarter defensively. He understands that it's not just stopping your man, it's filling that passing lane, maybe uh, helping out when, when on defense, running the floor, uh, you know, just things that, you know, contesting things that win ball games and it's not always just scoring the ball and I think he both him and Jalen are exceptional at that but I think both have learned that hey they have to become plus defenders too in order for this team to have a chance in championship so I'm going to give the edge uh to Jason just because you know it's probably it's it's the opposite of what Shiraz said so I'm always going to be the <laughs> main <side>. reason that's <laughs> the main reason but I think both have played all uh defensive team you know maybe not first team because we leave that to Derek White. I think Derek White's been exceptional and the, and the guys like Drew Holiday. Um, but to, to be named or honorable mention, to be considered, I think both. That's fair. Sure. I, <laughs> reluctantly. I said Tatum, fool. <laughs> after, after, I had to, after I had to put a little, little, little I kind of nudge in that direction. I had to call you a builder. You know? oh, that really exactly. Exactly. Now, and now you want to get off the fence. Good. <laughs> Eat that waffle later, man. Eat the waffle later. Oh, Go ahead, my Kwan. gosh. It's always food. But no, but quickly, if you two would so indulge, let's talk about the Pacers game. Obviously, we, I've mentioned two back-to-back wins at the TD Garden. That one, way closer than most people probably expected. So let's just talk about that defensive run towards the end. Did you guys see that potentially coming? Because I'm not going to lie. By the half, I was like, all right, what's going on? You know, Third quarter, wasn't sure if they were going to really be able to pull this one out. But what did you two see from their late run to win this this game? You got it, Gary. Um, I saw that they finally won. They they played. They did. They made the intangible plays. Like, you know, Indiana was killing them on offensive seventeen offensive rebounds in the first three quarters. That's heinous, unacceptable, embarrassing. Whatever words you want to use, one team basically get six offensive rebounds in every quarter. That's one every damn near two minutes. Like, 
What what are you doing? Rebound the damn ball. Indiana got two in the fourth quarter. They emphasized screening. They were watching it, um, how active Indiana was. Instead of ball watching, the Pacers were going after the damn ball, trying to figure out where it's going. The Celtics up there looking at the ball. Ooh, that's a real nice spin. Like, get the damn ball. They got the ball. They defended. They slowed down Indiana's offense. And it didn't hurt that Tyrese Halliburton was on a minutes restriction and didn't play the fourth quarter. So That's right. Miss, That's right. When, you, when you're missing an all-star player, that helped. But Nimhard was good. Nimhard got, got buckets. Uh, he's a guy I kind of compare to Peyton Pritchard. And he's a guy I think you hope Peyton Pritchard can turn it not into a three-point shooter, but like a bucket getter crafty bucket getter like Nimhart does where he fakes and he he just he can he shoots over bigger guys like that's what to me and I know Nimhart's probably a little younger but that guy like he is just he's a bucket getter and that's what you want besides a three-pointer Peyton's good at the shoot a three-pointer and he's good at at getting the layup but Indy has two guys McConnell and Nimhart that I think Peyton could take some some notes from in terms of how to get buckets against bigger guys I'm not saying he doesn't, but I, but Nimhard ran the show. But I thought defensively they stepped up. They allowed Indiana 21 points in the fourth quarter. They didn't let Neesmith get off, and Neesmith was very good last in that, yeah. that game. Um, they they rebounded the ball. They got stops, um, and, they, and they just they they want it ugly. They want it dirty, and sometimes that's the way it's got to be. You're up 106, 103. You've blown a 20 point lead. You know what? Win it anyway. So what? You blow a 20-point lead. That happens in the NBA basketball. Nobody cares about a 20-point lead, especially even at halftime. We saw at the end of the first half, it was 79 to 59. It was like, oh, the Celtics about to cruise. Indiana scored seven points in the last 43 seconds of the first half. And you were like, yeah, they don't have these guys put away yet because the lead was down to 15. And then Indiana came out, I think, with a 16-4 run, and, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden it was a ball game. So, you know what? It doesn't matter. You didn't cover the spreads. I know the fans are FanDuel, maybe a little bit upset, but you won the game. You keep it moving. You got three wins over a tough Indiana team. And let's be honest, you could have won a fourth game if they called the foul on Buddy Heald and didn't call the foul on Porzingis. So you could have won easily. You should have probably four or five uh, from these guys. And that, and he is a tough team. Indiana plays hard. They got a deep bench. And we, we, we didn't see Mathurin, you know, in that game. So give props to Indiana. And this could be a, you know, I don't know, maybe a first-round matchup. I don't think Indiana's going to fall to eight. Uh, they could. But this could be a first-round matchup or even a second-round matchup. Yeah. I mean, Indiana, they're just tough. I mean, they're, they're, they're tough, they're grimy, they they don't have all the bells and whistles that a lot of the top-tier teams have, and that's okay because that's not who they are. That's not their identity. And the Celtics, I give them credit. These are the kind of teams that you don't want to play, really, uh, because they're going to make you work harder than you normally would work. They're going to force you to find ways to win that might be unconventional and, frankly, uncomfortable for you. And I give the Celtics credit. This was not a game that the Celtics kind of had their way from the beginning to the very end. They had some serious turbulence uh, on, on the road to winning this game, and they were able to find a way 
to do the only thing that matters this time of year, which is keep those wins stacking up. Uh, and Gary, I think you're. I think this is more. I think this will be more of a potential second round matchup uh, with Indiana pulling off an upset in the first round because I don't think because I don't think Indiana is going to fall so far enough to where they are going to be you know a seven for eighth seed or, or playing in that 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 position. I, I look at them as a team that's going to be in that four or five game, uh, which to me that's just you know you you know what. Typically, teams that are in the four or five game are teams that could easily the two or three wins away from being a number two or a number three. Uh, Indiana, I think, is going to be that kind of team. Uh, but the point that you've made earlier that you kind of touched on with Halliburton not being there, that was obviously a factor in this particular game. But the Celtics have shown the ability to win with without that dude on the floor. So I don't really think much about him in that regard. But I do think that this is a team that if you're the Celtics – it's good to beat them like this now in a regular season because it, it it's a reminder that you're going to have to grind to beat these guys. You're not just going to punch them in the mouth and they're just going to stand there and drop to their knees and drop to the floor and call it a day. They're going to get off the mat and they're going to keep scrapping. You are going to have to keep hitting them, keep putting them down, keep them on their heels because that's just how they're built. They're built. This is, this is a, such a Rick Carlisle coach team. Um, just scrappy, trying to keep trying to find a way to just hang in there long enough so that they can skid, steal a win or two and make it a series and, and plant some seeds of doubt. That's that's what he does. And this team is perfectly built to be that kind of team, which is why I don't want to see them in the first or second round of the playoffs. If I'm the Celtics, I don't want no part of this smoke. No smoke at all. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, and placing some super bets. The thing that we love here on the Big 3 NBA podcast is the fact that you are able to gather with your friends, family, eat some good food, play, you know, watch a good game, watch halftime show. So why not do that also with FanDuel? FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which player will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com Boston to sign up. That's FanDuel.com Boston. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and present in Massachusetts. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling help line ma.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Gary and Sherrod, before we move on from this game, we do need to address another thing that happened. <laughs> Gary, I'm sorry that... It's funny because as journalists, we never are part of the story. But it's funny because you always end up being part of the story. Oh, God. Recently, at least. So the Buddy Hill incident. Can you actually just explain what exactly was happening? Was happening? 
for the talk to the people, Gary. Like talk to the people. Set the record. That's straight. honestly what confused me the most. After list, I had listened to the press conference before seeing what happened. <laughs> okay. See, this is what happened. What happened was what, 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 what happened. happened was, what happened was. <laughs> so the Celtics or uh, the home Celtics had the basket in front of their bench in the first half. Uh, Indiana calls a timeout. Buddy Hill takes the ball and starts shooting after the timeout when people are walking back to the bench at the Celtics basket. Just he, like during a commercial break. Yeah, like, yes. Okay. So people didn't really see it. So he takes one shot, then decides to take another shot. Sam Cassell walks out there and is like, man, don't be taking shots at our basket. It's not, that's not what we do. Okay. And him and start him and Cassell started going at each other. They I'm taking Sam was, every day. They they said it was lighthearted and it was a part of the game. And then Zach Zarba mm-hmm. comes out the official, and Cassell's like, "Yeah, he's shooting at our basket." And Zarba's like, "Come on, Sam, just go back to the bench." Like, it's not that not, deep though, right? It, yeah, am not, I tripping right now? Well, I, I, know I guess I guess I mean that's why I tried to ask Joe. Yes. What happened and how? What kind of rules is this? Because there's just little things like, you know, as as we learn with the in season tournament, running up to score. Um, there's just little things in basketball that you know you you try not to do. Or now, remember, for you Celtic fans from a decade ago, when a player used to play the Celtic against the Celtics and threw a shot up after the after the uh, you know. A whistle was called. It wasn't going to count. He would just throw it up. Kevin Garnett would go out there and block it. And people say, oh, Kevin, you so petty. That's so petty. That's so petty. It is, and I love it. And I but, love it. But it got popular. So now everybody does it. I see what you mean. Everybody, everybody blocks the shot. Everybody, you know, no, you're not shooting our basket. No, you're not getting a free free make in our in our in this game. I don't care if it's a timeout. So there is, so obviously the bench had a problem with Buddy Hill shooting at the Celtics basket. And so Missoula said, it's our job to go out there and just send somebody out there or somebody to go out there and just block them. Block the shot. And that was what <laughs> our exchange was about. I wasn't yeah. trying to start nothing, but it we know, yeah. continued because Heald kept talking to the Celtics bit, and even Tony Dobbins got involved. And oh, Tony, Tony the is quiet the quiet one. That's the mellow the quiet, one. The Tony don't say nothing to nobody. Tony be yep. keeping it moving. Mm-hmm. And J-I-M. Tony started talking to Heald. Oh. So when I saw Tony start talking to Heald, I knew it was something going down. I talked to Heald after the game. He was like, oh, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. It was just all fun. They brush it off. You know, he brushed it off. He was fun. I mean, Buddy Hill's a, a fun guy to talk to. I mean, he was yeah. open, you know, honest. Like he's not a he's not a bad guy. He's he, he's keep it real. And so I just asked Joe, like, kind of what happened there. You know, it's my responsibility as a reporter to see things, try to see what goes on inside the game and outside the game. That's what I ask about. But it's a stupid question. No. Like no, it's if, a fair question because the bench I, like is yelling said, at if the bench is yelling at a, a player. To me, that's a story. That's, that's something to write about. That's something going on there. 
So I asked because it was about Buddy Hill taking shots. And Missoula's point was, well, if he, was he just doing this with the ball and shooting it? And like, no, Joe, he was shooting at the damn basket. He wasn't doing this whole like He was trying to get a rhythm. Yes. With his, yeah. So that's what um, we talked about. Just like in Houston, okay, I'm going to give props, props to my man. Uh, his name is Alan Hunt. He is Celtic okay. Security. Okay. Okay. He got, you know, he got old man strength. So there was a backs in in Houston. There was a season ticket holder uh, from the Rockets who literally tried to walk up to Tatum and touch him on the shoulder, and Alan Hunt grabbed him and threw him against his seat. And the guy was like, "Oh, I'm sorry." He, he, he now, who knows, like he talked his way out of it because Houston PD came up to him, mm-hmm. security came, uh, arena security, and he got a chance, he, he still stayed in his seat. And then I talked to Alan, he said he was really apologetic, but I was like, what was he trying to do? And he was like, he was just wanting to walk up to Tatum. And, and if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, a fan literally walked up to LeBron. Right at crypto.com arena and like touched them. And then they wrestled that dude out. So if I see things like that, I'm going to write about it and I'm going to ask about it. I asked Tatum about it and he noticed it. It wasn't like he was not, he was was trying to touch him. Right. So those are the things that I like to feature. If I see things that basically people can't see on television, no one saw that. Like Alan, Mr. I call Mr. Hunt. You better call him Mr. Cunt, Mr. Hunt. Mr. Hunt, yeah, Mr. Hunt. <laughs> we need to cut that part out. Anyway, <laughs> Mr. Um, Hunt <laughs> grabbed him and threw him against the seat. And I was like, yo, what just happened? And that's what, and so if I see a situation like healed and Sam Cassell running to the floor to approach healed, like, don't do that, mm-hmm. shiznit. Um, <laughs> then that's something that needs to be asked. And so Joe was cynical and, and, and it was interesting. People, what is he talking about? Like, if you look at the tape, but I think there's kind of, I think NBC had a tape of just Cassell going up, like a cameraman caught lock it. Yeah, going okay. up, no, going up to tell he'll stop shooting at our basket. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, because there's certain, there's certain rules and, and certain things in the NBA. Like that, unspoken rules that yeah, everyone that, knows. Yeah, but. baseball has m- many more of those. But mm. basketball also has some. So that's what I asked about. If, if no. that, I don't know if that explains it all. No, it does explain it. And I think to your point, what I I think you said it very well is you are in the re- arena not just to watch the game, but to be aware, maybe even hyper aware more than a general fan would be because that is part of your job of making sure you know everything that's going on. We've talked about how that all-star weekend when KD and, and Kyrie were, you know, plotting in the corner. They're there booing up. a bunch of journalists there. We, yeah, booed up in the corner. They're booed so up I in the think corner. it's something that you do need to be aware of as a journalist. I don't think that we didn't question that at least. But thank you for explaining because, of course, a lot of times there are things that are just taken out of context and then people pick their sides without actually understanding the whole story. Because after he did it, once he did it again, after yeah, another time like, out, and that's yeah. when they started yelling at him. And Tony mm-hmm. Dobbins got involved. I was like, he'll did it Look, again. That like, man he'll, not- this time he took like a layup. 
This time yep. he, he took a layup. He was like, dude, don't stop and at shooting. that point, yeah, it's taunting yeah. at that point because you were they already told you no, and then you're like, so, all right, yeah. well, so he, he, was, he was being extra, yeah, yeah it, but hey, <laughs> yeah, were you gonna say, so, Sean? No, I was just gonna say, it, it reminds me of just what happened, you know, uh, before the AFC championship where you had um Patrick Mahomes and you had Kelsey and you had the kicker for the Ravens mm-hmm. who they said, could you move over a little bit? and he literally moved like a little bit, and then Kelsey, you know. <laughs> He went, he went, he went, he went, he went Neanderthal caveman on him and took his stuff and just tossed it. Uh, yeah. And then I, my thing is like this. Um, it's pretty ballsy for a kicker to be just like, I'm that dude. All right. I'm, I mean, he, the kicker, I mean, he was not scared at all. And he just kind of laughed it off afterward, kind of like what Buddy Hill do, kind of laugh it mm-hmm. off. But, you know, it, it, they know what they're doing. Players are, yeah, players are sensitive and players are trying to, they play mind games, whether it's during the game, during timeouts, any kind of edge they could potentially, think they can get over you they're gonna to try to do that uh buddy mm-hmm. hill and buddy hill is showing the ability that he's all about trying to play those mind games um which i i get i respect that but you know yeah. uh tony dobbs you're having it nope once he says something tony, you know you need to stop when, when he's not having it you need to leave the premises people like him make me nervous because he's so cool and calm that mm-hmm. if he's a little bit irate not on his bad side at all 100 agree I, I don't want but- that smoke I ain't trying. To, I ain't even. Try, I ain't trying to go nowhere that those clouds. Uh, uh-uh, I don't want that smoke at all, at all. Nope. The NBA All Star Reserves will be announced on Thursday. By the time you're listening or watching this, they might have been announced already. But either way, Jalen Brown, all but a lock in to be chosen at this point. Of course, Tatum is a starter. We know this. But let's talk about Derek White and Chris Porzingis. We've talked about them over the last few weeks when it comes to whether or not they'll sneak into the final uh, lineup. But what do you two think? How many All-Stars will Boston have this February? I think Derek White will get in. I don't think Porzingis will. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that's just how it should be. Uh, when you look at – Porzingis does a really great job of setting the tone for a lot of these wins that the Celtics are able to get, which is great. But Derek White has just been, been money when it mattered most. Uh, big shots in the fourth quarter, big plays defensively. Uh, and Porzingis, to a certain extent, has done that as well. But Derek White's consistency at just being a difference maker, I think is what coaches are ultimately going to, to not give him the nod. And, and the thing that I mentioned you know, from, from the very beginning when it became clear that Derek White was going to at least find some way to play his way into the conversation of being an all-star is you got to put some distance between you and the next club up the bat. And they have consistently allowed themselves to have a two, three, four game cushion between them and the next best team. That's what you have to do to get more than like two all-stars. You have to show a certain level of play that goes above and beyond what good teams typically do. Cause at this point, a good team would have maybe a game and a half, two game lead over the rest of the pack. And the Celtics have been flirting with like four and five. Like right now, they're four and a half games ahead of Milwaukee uh, for the best record in the East. And, you know, the Timber Pups, Timberwolves, they're not that – they're around the same spot as the Bucks are. So the Celtics have shown the ability to handle their business, uh, keep winning, and Derek White has been a big part of that. Even when he had his slump, he was still making plays. Uh, yeah, when it when, it when it came to crunch time, so D White get in Porzingis not so much, which I'm cool with because Porzingis should he could use some rest, he yeah. might want to get some rest for the second so, half. Gary, yeah. agree? Uh, I think it's gonna be tough for either to get on the team, maybe injury replacement. I just think there's other guys around the league that are just gonna get the coach's vote. 
I mean, you got guys like Trey Young, Bam Adebayo, Paolo Banchero, um, Tyrese Maxey, um, maybe Darius Garland or Jared Allen in Cleveland, Jalen Brunson in New York. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. You really, you only have seven, you only have seven spots. Um, so I think it's going to be, I think, I think it's going to be tough. I think it could happen with Derek White, like Sherrod said. I don't know about Porzingis. I think either one, I think coaches will have to determine, you know, the other coaches in the league, how valuable each player is to the Celtics success. And whether they want to vote for three Celtics in the All-Star, because, you know, if you look at the seven, so you got Jalen, you know, uh, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson of the Knicks, um, maybe Tyrese Maxey, that's three. And then you're looking at Bam Adebayo's four, Trey Young, five, Paolo Banchero, six. And then there's going to be, you know, the seven spot. Who do you fill that with? That's going to be the, the interesting uh, situation, right? Do you put Julius Randle in? Do you vote him in if uh, he's healthy? I think he's going to be out a few weeks with a shoulder injury. So does he make it? What about someone from the Cavs? Like, there's this a lot right now, a lot of players up for these thoughts that Derek and Chris Atts could be the eighth instead of the seventh, right? They could make barely make the cut, or they could get on. It, it could go any way, either way. Like, you know, Trey Young, like how, you know, what do you think? Is he an all-star? Um, that's a good question. What about, you know, because you look at some of the teams, you know, Detroit, Washington, Charlotte, Toronto, Brooklyn, they ain't got no all-stars. But no. then you're starting to talk about guys who, you know, said Adebayo, um, is he an all-star even though the Heat's on a seven-game losing streak? I think he's a, obviously an exceptional player. So it's just, it, 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 it it's going to get down to the, the, the final votes. And I, I think they both have a shot, but man, it's it's going to get, I just think maybe some of these guys, because I just think you got to look at Banchero and Orlando, and there's going to be guys that, that get their spot, get their chance, and, and Derek White and Chris Epps might be passed up, but I do think both deserve it. Trey Young is the one that I, I find is going to be a tough call because the numbers he's giving you like 27, 10, and three rebounds or something like that, but he's doing what Trey does pretty much every year. He doesn't shoot the ball particularly well uh, in, in terms of efficiency, and his team is not that damn good. They're like 10th in the East. I am i don't know how the coaches are going to view that because if if the Hawks were like four, fifth, sixth best record, it'd be a no-brainer. He's in. But you're – I mean – when you're that low in terms of the standings and your numbers are good, but you're not leading the league in scoring, uh, you, you're you're barely you're like what top five, top ten maybe, and your team is as bad as the one that he's on. I don't know. I, I just I just don't I just don't know whether he's the guy that uh, belongs in that top twelve. Uh, so it's it's a heavy guard. Like you know, you look at it Trey Young. Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell, that's three of the seven spots. Donovan Mitchell averaging 28 a game. He'll get in. Yeah, he'll get you know? in. Yeah, he'll get so in. that's what you're looking at here. And then Maxi, do you give him a that, – it might be hard for him to get on because he's a guard. What about Julius Randle? He's having a very good season after a slow start. 
Uh, it's a, I would say Banchero averaging 23 points a game in Orlando yeah. has a winning record. Um, it's, 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 a, it's tough. It's tough. Um, yeah. what do you, you know, it's tough. So, you know, I said, Bam out of bio. Um, and then you got out somebody's probably, you know, would you put Jimmy Butler on the team? Now, Jimmy's no. not played only 32 games, so probably not. I don't think he'll be, you know, but th- there's guys who are, you know, qualified who who might be more household names, I would say, yeah. than Derek White. I think Trey Young's the one that people are going to be like, oh, wait a minute, man. But Trey's, a you know, he's a box office kind of player. He scores right. big, big time points. You know, he's the only he's 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 basically the best player on the Hawks, you know, and he's averaging 27 and 11. Yeah. 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 He's averaging 11 assists a game. I mean, yeah. it's right. 11 assists a game, 29 double doubles um, with, with points and assists. You know, that that's um, that, those are good numbers, even though the team is losing. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Coming up next, LeBron and the Lakers are in town, TD Garden on Saturday. Celtics still the best record in the NBA. The Lakers are tied for ninth in the West, 10 games out of first place right now. So do you two think the rivalry has lost its luster within at least this year, or is it still something that fans will be craving? What do you think, Gary? Well, I think mean, it's still a rivalry as long as, and, you know, when you, you got LeBron, whenever LeBron comes into the garden, it's going to be an exciting time. It's going to be, and the Lakers are going to play well. The Lakers are not going to come to Boston and lay down, even though they've lost a couple of ball games in a row to Houston and Atlanta. They don't look good. The defense is playing good, isn't playing good or well at all. Darvin Ham seems like he's kind of lost. He's on that Adrian Griffin road at this point. It just seems like there's going to be some changes. But I always expect the Lakers to play their best game. AD and LeBron are going to play. I mean, it's going to be somebody like Austin Reeves, Hachimura. Uh, somebody's going to come through with a 20-plus 20, 20 point game that we don't expect. Torian Prince, because the Lakers are going to play well in Boston. So I expect this to be a very competitive game. Um, even though the Lakers have not been competitive, they got blown out pretty much the last two games. Um, I expect them to play well. And I think this is still a rivalry. And I said, whenever you have LeBron James in the building, there's going to be T-shirts outside that are sold outside the garden, disparaging his name. I don't want to say what they say, but, you know, they got, they're going to have LeBron T-shirts outside. They're not going to be, you know, we love LeBron on them. Believe not me. friendly for work. Uh, not safe for work shirts. No. <laughs> uh, they're going to be sold outside the garden. So it's still a rivalry. Obviously, you like the Lakers to be better. I think people thought they would be better, but they're 24 and 25, and and they just, you know, they just, all the guys that they picked up um, ain't worked out. Yeah, and they, they're they not a very good team. And and, and LeBron, as, as great a player as he is and, and the ability that he has to lift up franchises and elevate them to places that they don't belong, this team is trash. Right now, if just keep it honest, they're not very good. They don't have a system in place where you can see that young talent is evolving and developing uh, that can be of significant impact type players. They don't got no they don't got like a first or second year Jason Tatum type around or a first or second year Jalen Brown or hell. They barely they don't even have really a 
freaking first and second year Peyton Pritchard, really. Uh, their cupboard is right now, it's it's stocked full of, of players that don't have a lot of upside left in the game. And when you're where they are record-wise and you look at the way they play and you know LeBron, I mean, Father Time is, is right behind. LeBron just said, any day now, I'm coming. I'll be there any day now. You wonder whether this rivalry is going to be more than just a rivalry in our minds and, and folks from a, from a generation prior. Like, if you're a fan that's in your, like, teens, early 20s, do you really see the Lakers as a rival of the Celtics? Probably not. Uh, you see them as a team that, when they come to town, your, your mom and your uncle, they make a big deal about when they come to town. But do you, as a, as a basketball fan, do? No, you probably get more psyched up to see, like, the Grizzlies when Jawa Rand comes into the building. Or, you know, you know... You know, when Mignano from San Antonio and, you know, and Chet and his crew in, in, in OKC. It's it's a rivalry, but it's it's a it's a dying slash fading rivalry, though. Uh, and, and, you know, those things go in cycles. I mean, there's a period of time. It's always going to be a rivalry to some extent, but it does not have nearly as much energy and sizzle for what I call the casual supporters of the two teams. It's the diehards that see it as a rivalry. But for the, the casual Celtic fan, for the casual Lakers fan, He's just another team on a schedule. That's understood. I, I can agree with that as well. I think the Lakers will obviously play up to the opponent knowing LeBron James and knowing the level of competition that these players usually approach games. But to your point, I I don't see that sustaining itself over the next few years either. Next this week, might be the we'll last time t- this might be the last time we see LeBron at the garden. It might be the last time he plays at the T D Garden. That's actually, yeah, that's a good point. That's something to think about. So, yeah, you know, that's the reason to come out and see him. There we go. Well, next week we'll probably talk a little bit more about the all-star selections. We can do a little more of a deep dive, talk about your favorite all-star memories or experiences. But for now, that's all we have for this week's episode of the Big 3 NBA podcast. Leave a review if you haven't done so already. Share this episode with a friend. We appreciate you all listening. And once again, I do want to shout out the Dorchester YMCA for letting me use their office space for a good amount of time. I hope I feel someone's trying to get in here. So <laughs> until next week, Espera Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Connie Lunas. We appreciate y'all for listening. Peace.